Welcome to Detour to Neverland, your guide to living your best Disney life through your hobby or business. Here's your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 192. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are very pleased to present the next installment of our storytelling series. And today it's about Slinky Dog Dash. So if you have joined us for the past episodes, welcome back. If this is your first time here for this series, we are doing this little bonus series, taking a look at Disney attractions and trying to look at them through the lens of a storytelling aspect of what are the things that the Imagineers or the different stories that are trying to tell us what can we take away from those and how can we apply them to our lives? So this one is by far the newest attraction that we've done part of this series, which made it kind of a different approach, I think. Yeah, especially because I think now there is so much, I don't know, coverage about it and everyone is releasing a lot of information. Um, And because it is so new and there's so many like ride POVs, I don't know. It was it was kind of different doing research. A lot of the things were on YouTube versus just reading about it for older rides. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's still in its same version that it's been in since the ride opened. And so it's a little bit different, but I think there are still there's a deeper level that you can go on this attraction if you really look at it the correct way. Yeah. So that's kind of where we'll start. Um, So if we begin with just the scene breakdown, of course, you have to set the tone for where you're at and everything. Um, So if we're in Hollywood Studios, we're in Toy Story Land. This land was created for you to feel like a toy. Everything is big. It's colorful. Everything looks like it's been made out of toys. And I think if you kind of have that mindset, it takes this ride to another level. Don't you agree? I do. Of course, this is the e-ticket attraction in Toy Story Land. And so it, it plays very nicely off the overall idea behind that as soon as you see Woody up there as you're crossing over from the Walt Disney presents area. And what are they calling that area now with the Incredibles? I guess that's, uh, I don't know. I guess I always just associated it with like the incredible summer of fun kind of thing that they were doing for a while, but it was Pixar play before that. So anyway, as you see Woody, if you're going through that main entrance, it sets the tone that you are now shrunken down You're in a completely different world, and it happens to be Andy's backyard. Yeah, and Slinky Dog, because he is the ride vehicle, I mean, it definitely draws you in. I mean, he's huge. The roller coaster looks huge, and it's setting the scene pretty automatically. Um, Then, of course, you enter the queue, and this queue definitely reminds me of... Oh, my God. How did I just draw a blank? The what's the shooting one? Toy Story Mania. My goodness. It's even in my notes. It reminds me a lot of Toy Story Mania just because you are surrounded by the toys and the drawings. And it looks like a kid made it. Andy, of course. And in this queue in particular, there's a lot of Tinker Toys, a lot of pieces. And the pieces are mostly coming from Andy's Dash and Dodge Mega Coaster Play Kit. 
That is a mouthful. But that's where he drew the inspiration to build this roller coaster. He had this toy and he wanted to modify it so that Slinky could be the ride vehicle. Yeah, and it's and it's interesting to see other aspects as well, especially in the queue. This is one that you can go through many times and you'll pick up little different things every single time. One of my favorite ones is that you see the box that Rex came in. Yeah. <laughs> and you see that Rex costs $19.95, which is also paying homage to the year that Toy Story came out. And even further, it says like he's 11 out of 12, which it came out on November 12th, 1995. Oh, that's cute. So there's all kinds of special things like that. If there's, I know they're all now kind of one of the same, but if there's one entity that can one up Disney on Easter eggs and things having double meanings and hidden things, it's Pixar. And they, they do play into that in the queue, kind of like you said. So it's fun. Uh, you know, you can make it a game, especially because this ride, if you do not have a fast pass, I mean, you could wait in line for hours let's very not, easily. Let's not talk about that. That's sad. It makes me so sad. <laughs> no, but I think I think as we talk about it, though, it'll make it seem totally worth it. One of my favorite parts of the queue is especially a lot of these old school toys that mm-hmm. you'll see. Um, referenced or or you'll see the actual toy in the queue is a lot of times you'll see grandparents and grandchildren saying like I used to play with that toy and, and you know what does it do and I think it's really taking everyone not only down to the size of a toy but also it is so much nostalgia and so much pulling at the inner child in you Yeah. And that's something that I was going to say, too, that kind of stands out to me in this queue is that not only do you see all the pieces that Andy used to build the roller coaster, but you can also really see his thought process. And I don't know if that's the teacher in me speaking, but he has lots of drawings. You can see where he like scribbled out parts of the roller coaster and replaced it with Slinky Dog. Um, You can see, you know, just kind of his visual. And then of course you get on the ride and you see it come to life, which I think is really cute. It's brilliant. It is. Obviously we're gushing about this ride. So you can, you can kind of think ahead as to our scores. But of course, as you near the ride vehicles, another part that stands out to me as far as the ride queue and kind of leading up to the ride is the safety spiel. Oh, my. I knew you were going to bring this up. I mean, to me, this brings me an incredible amount of joy. I mean, it's up there with um, how we always laugh at the Big Thunder Railroad. Big Thunder Mountain. What? Same thing. (laughs) You are are not on your name game. We're struggling today. But it's up there. Like, it makes me laugh. Like, we make fun of it. Like, we'll talk about it for an extended period of time afterwards. Um, It even makes me think it's just so comical of when we went to Disneyland and Cars Land in particular, and we had to listen to Mater give those safety instructions. I mean, it's hilarious, especially when they try to do the Spanish. They don't speak very fluent Spanish and it's great. So 
uh, forgive me because I'm not going to remember his name, but the original voice actor for Slinky did pass away. Um, but whoever is doing it now, and I assume they probably did it for, I mean, they would have had to do it for Toy Story 4 unless they used unused clips. They really nail it. Mm-hmm. And I do think in the ride spiel, it has like a more country kind of, I don't know, that's just what it sounds like to me. Because he is kind of like gruff and, you know, he has like that deep kind of voice. But to me, when he's giving the safety instructions, he sounds a little more twangy. I don't know. It's Jim Varney, who he did pass away. Um, in the year 2000. So oh, wow. Blake Clark has been doing that would be since Toy Story 2 onward from Jim Varney. So I guess probably most of the lines we've heard are from Blake Clark, who is still living. Hmm. It's a good, good research there, Brendan. Um, but I do think it's worth it's worth mentioning when we think about this ride as a whole, because it's magical. Well, Slinky is narrating it, which is a very unique part of this is that your ride vehicle is talking to you throughout. Yeah. The the coaster. He wants you to feel safe and at home yeah. on your on your journey, on your ride. I don't know. Okay, so you enter your ride vehicle, you're seated somewhere on Slinky Dog. And I do have to say, this is a very smooth ride. There's not a lot of jostling or bumps or anything like that. So they did a very good job constructing it because that can be a huge issue. Table this point and let me bring it up during history. Okay. Tabling that point. The first major part of this coaster, of course, you start and like Brendan mentioned, you can see the box um, that held Rex kind of off to the side. You see the popsicle stick, um, fences and everything like that. But one of the first major things you come to is that big kind of left hand curve. I don't really can you is there like a word for that? Just the big curve? A bank? I don't know. But it's very prevalent because that's kind of the first part of the roller coaster that you see when you enter in to Toy Story Land. And I think it's kind of fun that it's like the first big thing. You know, it gets that adrenaline going pretty early. From there, you continue on to hit just some smaller little hills until I think you reach the second major part of this ride, which is the second launching off point, which I thought was extremely unexpected. When we watched videos, very minimal videos before riding this for the first time ourselves, I did not expect that part of the ride to be where it is. Does that make sense? Maybe we're just oblivious, but I was the same way. And I think it's actually pretty well hidden from most areas of Toy Story Land. So, of course, you can see it if you're standing on that bridge, walking to the front entrance of the queue to Slinky Dog. But you can't really see it from anywhere else. Because Alien Swirling Saucers blocks it for the most part. So unless you're actually going to get in the queue, you don't really notice it that much. Yeah, we had originally thought, I guess, that that's how the ride started. 
because that's what it looks like. But of course, Andy is very creative and he wanted to put it in the middle. So you come to a complete stop. It kind of has that pause of what's going to happen next. And you can see those little flame flag spinners. They start going. He counts you down again and you're off. Um, And that's kind of where you get your big jump to the next big hill. And this was the famous hill that for the longest time allowed you to see into Galaxy's Edge. Which was very cool. Like, I'm not going to say I ever looked away. Oh, you were always trying to take a peek and to see if you could see any construction or anything going on in Galaxy's Edge. But it is... It's different. I now that Galaxy's Edge is open, I wish that it wasn't there. You like feeling like you're alone. I only want to see Toy Story Land when I'm on Slinky. Mm-hmm. I understand that. But for a while, it was a big highlight. I mean, that's what people wanted to see. You wanted to peek over and you wanted to see it. But I agree. Now that it's open, the allure is not quite the same. Um, But from there, you hit probably my favorite series. It's the series of smaller hills, but they're the ones that just kind of make your stomach drop a little bit. And that's my favorite part of any like roller coaster. Um, And then from there, of course, you are brought back into the loading station. And this is the part where if you haven't rode this ride and you're not into spoiler alerts or things like that, you might want to skip ahead a couple seconds because by far the biggest surprise of this ride is right there at the end where you're greeted by Wheezy. Um, He's a little penguin, a little squeaky penguin, and he's singing, you've got a friend in me. And it's just the perfect way to end the ride. He's got a little setup. He's got his microphone there. He's got, you know, the song lyrics behind him, just in case you don't know the words and you would like to sing along. But it's just like that feel good moment. And it's perfect. The toy that he's using as the microphone, I do not know what it's called, but I had one of those as a kid. So I always well, love that. Didn't everyone? Because it it was like a little cassette player, right? Yeah, it was a cassette player. But then the microphone would also like go into the little boom box and uh-huh. amplify your voice. Yeah, I bet we had one, too. That seems right up our alley. But yeah, so it's a great little setup. I think it plays well into the theme because, of course, it's Andy's backyard. And I feel like Wheezy is one of those characters who would so easily be overlooked, especially with all the new um, of like Toy Story 3 and 4 and everything. But I really appreciate that he's there. Um and of course, in Andy's mind, that was probably the best way to end a roller coaster, too. Yeah. Wheezy is awesome. He's I, you want to say he's life size, but I guess he's <laughs> he's toy sized, but he's life size. He's larger than life. Yeah. It's a really, really cool ending. And again, he's really well hidden. Even when you're loading onto the ride at the beginning, you, you can't you tell that him. he's there. Mm hmm. So that's that's really brilliant. So let's talk about some of the history of this attraction just to learn a little more and round out the story of how it came to be and and how the story unfolds. Of course, this is not a complete everything history, but just the big things that that stood out to us. 
So, of course, as Catherine says, this was always slated as the e-ticket attraction in Toy Story Land. From the very first time that Toy Story Land was announced at D23 in 2015, we always knew that there was going to be this outdoor family-style coaster that was inspired by Slinky Dog. We did not know that Slinky Dog Dash was going to be its name for the longest time. But a couple of years later, we got the name for it, and it kind of has always been the focal point of everything going on. I think there's probably, you know, there was some interest for alien swirling saucers, but especially Hollywood studios, a park that does not have any roller coasters besides. Now I can't remember rock and roller coaster. (laughs) Oh man. It doesn't cater well towards children. Hollywood studios. Correct. So, a family style coaster has always been the focal point of everything. Um, I think it is interesting to note that initially Slinky Dog Dash was not well received by many of the fans. It was seen as an outdoor coaster that would probably lack theming and be outside of the standards that Disney had put forward as far as attractions. Do you think the thing that changed that was that they used Slinky as the ride vehicle? You know what I mean? Like if you just said, I'm going to build a roller coaster and I'm going to stick it in Toy Story Land, I could see how people would be like, what? You know, that doesn't fit in. I think it's just a... It's so different than what we get for most Disney attractions. If you think outdoor coaster, most of the time in Disney, you think of things like uh, Barnstormer. Okay. Uh Primeval World. Like all kind of very low rated, not many people are interested in them, coasters. Mm -hmm. And... I think it just kind of got grouped in with those and it was written off pretty quickly that not many people were interested. I do think once people learned that you would actually be riding Slinky and they saw his little boingy tail. Uh, I love the boingy tail. And and saw how it was coming together. The hype increased as time went on. But if you can find them, unless they've been deleted, There are many, many people on Twitter and on blogs and whatnot that thought that this attraction would be a disaster because it was an outdoor coaster and it's harder to theme something like that. The point you made about it being smooth. So this ride was manufactured by Mack Rides, and this is the second project that they ever had with Disney. The first project, Goofy Sky School. In Disney's California Adventure. So, of course, that was a huge red flag. (laughs) Well, that that was a renovation of an existing ride Mm -hmm. that was already there. But can you think of two more opposite outdoor coasters than Goofy Sky School and Slinky Dog Dash? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, they are polar opposites. And if you're not familiar with Goofy Sky School, it's basically a worse version of Primeval World. <laughs> You're going to get some hate for that, I feel like. 
I like the theming more, but the ride experience was awful. Yeah, because the 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 vehicle doesn't twist like on Primeval World. So you are literally just being jerked on a 90 degree turn. And I don't know if it's just because we got sat with strangers or what, but I even felt like I was more cramped. I felt like I was more smushed and I didn't like the queue was a hot mess. Overall, I don't have a lot of good things to say. But with that being said, if you've never ridden it, that's how you could compare it. So very opposite feels. Yeah. So I'm surprised they went back to Mac rides. I mean, I guess maybe they have a better track record outside of Disney. But again, with Goofy Sky School, there's only so much you can do with an existing track and existing uh space that you have to deal with so of course all this is pre-construction slinky dog dash officially opened with the rest of toy story land on june 30th 2018 we were there that day or the day before something like that i can't remember we were i we might have been there but we definitely were not in hollywood studios i know we were definitely not in hollywood studios because We were using your sister's guest passes and cast members were blocked out from Hollywood Studios at that time. And for any cast members listening, I'm sorry, you're still blocked out from Hollywood (laughs) Studios. Pat a cast member on the back next time you see him because unless they've bought a ticket, a lot of them haven't seen Galaxy's Edge. They're having withdrawals. Yeah. Yeah. But I I even want to say... Because remember when Toy Story Land was first opening and they did like some of those surprise, like soft openings. I want to say we were even there when they started doing that, that we might have been in other parks. I still don't think we even would have had access to Hollywood Studios, but I do remember just like the excitement. And I think we'll talk about it later, too, in the episode. But I think that made us even more excited to be able to go to Toy Story Land. Yeah, I do want to talk about one thing. Opening a park like Toy Story Land in late June. Was that the best idea they've ever had? Probably not. They were probably just really anxious for people to get to see it. But it is a cramped area. There's no shade. No shade. Oof. So... The reason why I say that is because I think Toy Story Land is a land that thrives in cooler weather seasons, especially Christmas when they theme it correctly and, you know, put the Santa hat on Woody and Buzz and Rex and Jesse, I think, has something, too. And even the characters dress up in in Christmas outfits when they're walking around. I I think Toy Story Land is somewhere that in June, July, August, September. I'm not spending much time there. And so I don't know, probably a lot of it's out of their control, but you know, Toy Story Land I think is pretty well received, but I do know there was a lot of chatter when it first opened of this is the hottest place on planet earth. (laughs) It's like what people think about animal kingdom, but animal kingdom is a separate effect because you're like domed in with all the, it's like muggy because of all the vegetation. The plants, yeah. Toy Story Land's literally like, I think a magnifying glass is about to set us all on fire. Maybe that was the purpose. Wasn't that a scene in in like the first Toy Story with Sid? Yeah. He was burning things. Maybe, Brendan, that's what they wanted. Well, that was not a good call. Whoever <laughs> did that. So I, I, I always think that's interesting to look at when these different 
parts of the parks opened and that one's just it doesn't seem like it was the best timing but back to slinky slinky is the first disney coaster to feature a second mid-ride launch which like we said very very cool aspect of the ride and first time riders probably do not expect it to be coming i didn't um so let's talk about some of the imagineers who worked on it i think this is just an interesting thing that we should try to point out with each of these attractions i want to see which names keep coming up on some of these attractions that we love so much so kathy mangum was the imagineer who presented the concept of slinky dog dash then it was not named as an unnamed attraction at D23 in 2015. The other Imagineers that we know not ta- uh, that we know worked on it were Joe Scarpaletti, Bob Vignek, and Hannah Brennan. So make a mental note of those people because I want to see if we can get like a favorite Imagineer, favorite current Imagineer as we go forward. You know what I think you need, Brendan? What? A spreadsheet. Spreadsheet would, t- would work nicely here. It would be better. It'd be a lot easier than our kind of hodgepodge notes that we got going. Someone else probably knows way more about this, but it seems like now many of these attractions are much more of a team effort than they were back in the day. So it's not necessarily like a splash mountain where Tony Baxter's like leading the charge. Mm-hmm. Well, the, someone has to come up with the idea, right? Yeah. It's, I, I, maybe it's, And maybe that's what history will do for us, that as these as years go on and we get more footage and and information on these, we'll know who the lead person was. But it seems like it's a little less known on some of these newer attractions. But I guess Galaxy's Edge, we know who the big names were. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting which ones, you know, and which ones you don't. So speaking of those people who worked in it, I find it so interesting that if you look at anything about Slinky Dog Dash, about any of its promotion or any interviews that have taken place since it's open, you will almost always hear a representative a representative of Disney make a point to say that this is not a kiddie ride, that it is a family coaster that has thrill elements. And I think that's probably in response to a lot of the, you know, kind of some of the negative criticism that they got at the very beginning of it. But it's also just also pointing out to the fact that when you watch this coaster, it doesn't look nearly as thrilling as it actually is. If you're just standing in Toy Story Land, you can't tell that, you know, you're going to get some G-forces. Your stomach's going to drop a few times. There's going to be some fast turns and a second launch. That I think it's it's much more unassuming than it looks. I would agree with that. And I think they maybe they need to say that, too, or they try to make it a point to say that it's not a kiddie ride just so that families maybe don't like make fast passes for it with children that wouldn't be able to ride it or wouldn't like it. I don't know, because it it can be kind of confusing when you're promoting it as you know this family coaster or a family ride you know i guess you just kind of have to use your best judgment on what does that look like for your family you know yeah i mean i think it would be a good introductory coaster because it's not too much and it is a very welcoming environment 
it's not scary at all. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I wouldn't be opposed like when Ellie, our niece, is starting to get into coasters. I wouldn't be sad if this was her first one, if she just completely skips Barnstormer. But can you skip Barnstormer? Like that is the introductory coaster. Like if there ever was one, it has to be that one. I would say more days than not. I don't even remember that Barnstormer exists. Well, maybe it's just because we don't have any children in our lives. (laughs) Next time we go to Magic Kingdom, we're riding Barnstormer. Deal. Let's do it. It's like... 13 seconds long. Okay. We we wrote it in Disneyland. Remember? I don't know if it's called Barnstormer there. That is definitely not Barnstormer. That is Gadget's Go Coaster, which is Rescue Rangers themed. So the fact that you just grouped those together is very... It's like the same ride, though. (sighs) It's Rescue Rangers themed, though. Well, okay. Anywho. So... Thinking about Slinky Dog, this is actually the third attraction that features Slink. So in Disneyland Paris, they have Slinky Dog Zigzag. And then in Shanghai and Hong Kong, they have Slinky Dog Spin. Do you want to ride both of those? Oh, absolutely. I was just thinking now that we might need to make like a tour of all the Slinky Dog attractions. I have the ears. I have the shirt. I bet I could find like a little like backpack or something. Some shoes. Slinky dog all the way. You are a big Slinky fan. Oh, yeah. So but all of those are kind of carnival spin style attractions. So nothing nearly to the scale that Slinky dog dash is. So that's pretty much all of the history that we wanted to highlight. Let's take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back with our lessons, history, and give it our score. Social distancing and quarantine have caused all of us to be further away from our friends and family. Yes, of course, there's things like FaceTime and phone calls and text messages, but I'm sure we can all relate to the joy of receiving a good old-fashioned letter. I know it's something that we love to send our niece, even if she can't read yet. (laughs) She likes them. And then you add in a little bit of Disney magic and it can absolutely make someone's day. Our friend Kelly at Karma and Kismet has the cutest original cards that you can send to your friends and family. I particularly love the Nightmare Before Christmas Jack and Sally love card that she has. And it's such an inexpensive way to really brighten someone's day and just send them a little note. So go check out Kelly's cards at Karma in Kismet. That's a letter N on Etsy and use the code DETOUR10 for 10% off of your order. And of course, the link to her shop will be in our show notes below as well. Hey, so we're back and we're going to look at our storytelling lesson. So I guess I'll go first. Um, To me, when I think about this ride and just the theming of this ride, What kind of stands out is just to be creative and think outside of the box, because literally that's what Andy did. You know, he had this set, you know, this building set and, you know, he could have easily just used that. But instead, he kind of took it a step farther and he included Slinky Dog and he got so much better. 
So I think we could always use a little bit more creativity in our lives, just kind of pushing the boundary. And I think this ride is a good reflection of that. For me, it's don't knock something until you try it. And I completely agree with everything that you said about the creative aspects of building this bigger story or the story within the story that makes this ride uh, so wonderful. But I also I just keep coming back to when this ride was being constructed and when it was announced, there was so much hate on it before anybody wrote it for the very first time. And the narrative around it switched so quickly that it's unbelievable because the moment that people walked through that queue and realized that it was telling such a beautiful story, it made sense. And you, the Imagineers proved that they could tell a great story and have a wonderful theme in an outdoor coaster. So don't knock it until you try it. That's a good one. So next will be our personal history. Do you want to go first for this one? Yeah, to me, it sounds so silly, but I always think this ride is a treat. Like it's not a ride that we get to go on every trip. And it's something that once you get that fast pass for Slinky, you look forward to it almost days in advance Mm -hmm. because it is very hard to get on unless you want to wait in the really long lines. But once you do the immersion that you feel and the familiarity that we have with these characters that are sprinkled throughout so nicely to tell the story, it's really, really wonderful. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. I think for this ride, I was beyond excited for the ride, for Toy Story Land, just in general, when it was announced. And then, of course, we talked about the hype that we kind of experienced when we were there, but we didn't actually get to be part of it. So that just kind of amplified everything for us. Um, And I've always thought that this ride lived up to the hype. And I don't know if it's just because I was so excited for it, just like wildly excited. Like Brendan said, it's one of those rides that we don't always get. A fast pass for, unfortunately, because it is so popular. So when you do, it is literally like we won the lottery. And even though it's not necessarily a thrill ride, I would not put it into that category. It is a roller coaster, which we love. It's a lot of fun. The whole time, I think our eyes are just lit up. We're like kids. And I mean, you can you can go all out and It's just kind of like a good, carefree, feel good. Like I will ride this ride every opportunity I get. And I will never not want to ride this ride. It's not one of those like, you know, Tower Terror where you love the ride, but sometimes you're just not feeling, you know, like a huge drop like that. Like there will never be a period of time where a slinky dog is too crazy, you know? Unless it's raining. Well, but okay. Got you there. Boo you for that one. But I will always want to try this ride. All right. So the moment you've all been waiting for are Neverland scores. Very exclusive. <laughs> Everybody at Disney is talking about this. All the Imagineers are on pins and needles wondering how we score their rides. So I want to first say we scored it the highest 
both of us did in five different categories. Gave it a full score on rewritability, fast pass worthy, love it or fix it. Of course, meaning don't you dare change it. <laughs> Smile factor and worth the time investment. We gave it the highest it could get. I There's a couple of these that we scored differently on that I want to talk about. Okay. Particularly, one of them is standby worthy. So you said you would wait no more than 30 minutes. I said I would wait an hour. So my thinking for this one, and I was trying to be very realistic because that's the point of having this new rubric. I was honestly thinking just because it is an outdoor queue and it can get so hot. I mean, they've done a nice job with fans, but I only want to wait outside for so long. Like sometimes if it's like Toy Story Mania where it's inside for the most part, like I'm willing to wait a little longer because it's kind of like a break. So that's why I kind of scored it a little lower for that one. The big one I think of that we had a conversation about before is sights, sounds, smells, oh my, which is really just immersion. I gave it a 0.75. And I honestly teetered between a what between like a half and a quarter. And it was because when I was thinking about immersion, I think the ride fits completely with the theme. I think it, you know, is everything that we talked about earlier as far as it's just perfect. But if I'm thinking about immersion and like, do I feel like I'm in Andy's backyard? Like, do I forget where I'm at? Can I smell the oranges? Like all those things. Like, no. See, I think it does. I think it hits every single sense except for smell. Sights. Yes. Except for that one hill where you can see, but two. Mm hmm feel you are touching slinky you're inside of slinky taste and that doesn't really apply no that doesn't really apply to anything uh, though um unless someone's licking attractions you do you would if not they, would not recommend but the sounds i think are very underrated on this attraction as well like we said you can hear slinky talking to you you can hear the the second launch, them winding up and getting ready to go. You can hear Wheezy singing. Mm. Rex and Jesse are yelling things at each other. I think. I think you need to take a deeper look is what I'm saying. OK, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, That was really those were the big discrepancies of course i scored it a little higher for how much do you miss it because i'm obsessed with it at all times um and then nostalgia because i do truly feel like a kid again when i ride it so all in all anticlimactic we both gave it an eight and a half yes which since we started using this new grading rubric from our friend jake this is the highest score so far yeah, and it's interesting because if we were just rating it ourselves, I probably would have given it like a nine and a half. So this is, I guess, more realistic, right? Yeah. 
So if you are playing along at home, you can head to our Facebook group, which is Detour to Neverland Podcast Community. We have put the rubric up there where you can go and fill it out for yourself. A lot of these are really funny uh, as far as what the categories and the choices that you can make there. So uh, the PDF and just the uh, image of it are there for you to play around with and score it at home. Let us know what your scores are, and we will share those in a future episode um any last thoughts on slinky dog dash before we announce next storytelling episode i don't think so i would guess about it all day but we probably shouldn't so next wednesday we'll do another storytelling episode and it's brendan's pick so brendan dinosaur it's a solid pick aladar we need we, to watch Dinosaur before we do this ride. You took the words right out of my mouth. I really think we should. Because I honestly can't even recall the last time I saw the movie. I know I've seen it at least once. But it's been eons. So. I don't remember much except Aladar is a very nice guy. He's he's a good one. He's a good dinosaur. Well, no, don't not. He's not the good dinosaur, but he's a good dinosaur. What an insult. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you so much for joining us for today's storytelling episode. Um, Next week is moving week. So we will be Floridians (laughs) next week, which is still hard to wrap our minds around. So probably expect some more content revolved around that. Once we get down there and get settled, we will get back on more of a normal schedule with our normal type of content. And I think some new things up our sleeves. We shall see. We'll see. So if there are any questions that you have specifically about moving to Florida, now is a great time to ask because it's very fresh on both of our minds because it's all we think about all day long. Um, So please, we love to have conversations about that. So once again, thank you so much for joining us. Hope you are having a wonderful week and we will chat with you next Monday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Subscribe to the show and leave a review to help more people find us. Follow us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland underscore podcast to see our pictures from the parks. See you real soon.